Welcome to this message from Shofar Christian Church. May you experience God's grace as you listen to this word being preached. Well, welcome from my side as well. It's wonderful to have you all here. And uh, it's a privilege for me to introduce uh, Stefan. He's uh, the pastor in um, our Santon congregation. Uh, he's also a director in a consulting company. So um, he's so amazing that what takes me, you know, a full week to do, he does like in the, the leftovers of his week, you know. <laughs> what it takes me, what, what, what I have to do as a full-time job, he does as a part-time job. Oh, it's nothing, you know, it's just like, you know, <laughs> on the side, you know. <laughs> That's how amazing he is. No, you know, he's, a, he's a big blessing to me and... Um, uh, you know, when you hear him speak, you'll, you'll, you'll think he's, he's much older than he is because he has a lot of wisdom uh, and, and, and a lot of grace. And um, I look forward to hearing what the Lord has to say to us through him. And I hope you uh, will also open up your hearts and just uh, receive what he has to say. Lord, we just want to acknowledge, Lord, that all good things come from you, Lord. And we, we just want to receive all those good things as blessings from your hand, Lord. And we also just receive, Lord... Uh, Stephan, Lord God, as he's going to minister your word to us, Lord, as a, as a good thing, Lord God, as a blessing from your hand, as a gift from your hand, Lord God. And we pray, Lord God, that you'll help us to receive, Lord, the word that, that, that uh, comes through him, Lord, um, as something, Lord, that doesn't come from him as, so much, as much as, as through him from you, Lord. And, and, and we just uh, open up our hearts to you, Lord, and we just pray that you'll bless him, Lord God, and, uh, and put your words in his mouth, Lord, and give him the utterance, Lord God, um, and that you'll really speak to our hearts this morning in Jesus' name. Mm-hmm. Amen. Thanks, Steph. Thank you, Annie. <laughs> Morning, everyone. Are you well? Good. Yeah, it really is a privilege to be here. It's, it's been a while since I've um, visited the, the Randwick congregation. And um, it was just so blessed to be part of worship this morning. Um, God is doing something really special here. And um, it's, it's just beautiful to see His hand on this community and to see how He's revealing Himself and how His nature is, is shining through this diverse part of the body. And um, we love you, and we pray for you, and it's going well with Santon as well. We're, um, we're growing, we're loving seeing some of you there every now and then, um, and we're just grateful for, for God's grace on us. You know, I, I, would just be, I would just be nowhere today if it wasn't for the Father. And uh, I, I probably, in the natural, never would have married or had kids if it weren't for God the Father. And um, I know many of us have stories like that, where if it weren't for knowing a good and perfect Father, we would have been nowhere today. And um, so we're just celebrating today. And um, I just want to agree with what Henny said as well. We celebrate all the dads in the, in the room. We really love you guys and honor you guys and thank you for being dads and reflecting his nature and laying down your lives it really is the most significant thing. I want us to read from John 5. Um, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to John 5, verse 19. I'm reading from the NIV version. Jesus gave them this answer. Very truly, I tell you, The Son can do nothing by Himself, 
He can do only what he sees his father doing. Because whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son and shows him all he does. Yes, and he will show him even greater works than these, so that you will be amazed. For just as the father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the son gives life to whom he is pleased to give it. Moreover, the father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to the son, that all may honor the son just as they honor the father. Whoever does not honor the son does not honor the father who sent him. I'd like for you to turn to each other in groups of of four or five people and and read the scripture again. If you want to read it in a couple of different versions, that's cool. Um, And I want you to, to... to discuss as a group what are the what are the main attributes of the father son relationship that's revealed by this text okay so the question is looking at the the nature of the relationship between between Jesus and God the father if we we look at the nature of their relationship what are some of the key key attributes that we see in that relationship, specifically from this text. So what, um, what are some of the things that you, that you saw, that you discussed? They are, you, you spoke about they're united, they're, there's a oneness about them, and it says that the Son can, can do nothing outside of the Father. Can do nothing, like that's an intense dependency, right? Yeah, what else did you... Who else? Yeah. <laughs> There's a growing relationship, and the dad shows the son what he's doing. He's revealing, he's including him in what he's doing. There's an invitation to be part of that. Nice, thank you. Louis had a hand up. Yeah, there's an absolute surrendered obedience, right? And a desire to, not out of compulsion, not because of a fear of punishment, because of a desire to bless and to please his dad because he loves him. Right, and there's that unconditional and perfect obedience. The lady in front of you also had a hand up. Yes, so, and you got all that in in three minutes. (laughs) Do you want to? Do you want to do the rest of the? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Praise God for that. (laughs) Thank you. There was another hand. Absolutely, and there's actually another scripture where where Jesus tells the Pharisees that. Um. He he exposes the murderous intent in their hearts and he says your deeds actually reveals who your father is. Your father is the devil. And um, in a like manner, what Jesus does reveals what he's been exposed to, the importation he's receiving and the outflow of his actions from that. Um, And that's, that's, that's also quite amazing. Maybe one or two more people from this side, key attributes you saw in that relationship. Absolutely right. He says, he of himself judges no one, but he has entrusted all judgment to the Son. Speaks to incredible trust, right? And and you said it so beautifully, Leah, you know, around giving him that, extending his authority. Um, I remember I came to Joburg and um, my dad wanted, he was looking to buy a car. And the car that he wanted, there was one in Joburg with my dad's in Cape Town. And he... um, he sent me to go to the dealership and to look at the car, but he told me, um, 
he wants me to check out like the the vibe and the culture of the dealership you know and i must tell him if he thinks this looks like good guys you know honorable people and i felt so loved by that you know that my dad would trust my judgment to make that call you know like he knows that i carry his heart and the values that he's imparted and he trusts me to make that decision um in line with what you're saying you know that deep trust and extending authority Something for me that stands out, a key attribute in their relationship is, is a deep intimacy between the father and the son. And um, if you look at this text, <clears throat> it says, the son can do nothing by himself. We spoke about that dependency. He can only see what he sees his father doing. And if you, if you want to see what someone is doing, you need to be close to them, right? Observing what someone is doing implies a certain proximity. It implies that you are close, otherwise you wouldn't be able to see. So he sees what his father is doing from a closeness and intimacy. Because whatever the father does, the son also does. That modeling, that outflow. For the father loves the son and shows him all he does. And someone also raised the, how the father has his heart to include. He shows the son all that he does. He loves him. And he shows him all that he does. And that he entrusts the stuff to them. And for me, so much of that starts with a closeness and intimacy with the father. And you see that bond between Jesus and God the father throughout the gospels and throughout the scriptures. Some of the other scriptures that allude to that intimacy, I think, is we see throughout the Gospels how Jesus regularly separates himself from his disciples and the crowds, and he finds a place of solitude. He finds a place to connect with God. He climbs a mountain, or he gets onto a boat onto the lake, and he seeks a place to connect with the Father. Jesus says that I can do nothing outside of the Father. Right? He says, I am the exact representation of the Father. Whoever sees me sees the Father. And there's that oneness, that unity. He says, I only do what I see the Father do. And I only speak what I hear the Father say. At Jesus' baptism, God says, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. And you just see that public affection and affirmation of His Son that he is so crazy about, you know. And he does that publicly for everyone to know. It says from the beginning they were together. In the beginning was God. And the Word was with him. And Jesus is the Word made flesh. From the beginning there's this incredible intimacy between the Father and the Son. This closeness. How powerful. And what's the impact of that intimacy we see that Jesus walks undeterred on the earth. He's fully God. He's fully man on the earth. He's not swayed by the resistance. He's not swayed by persecution. He's not swayed by intense accusations because he's secure in his identity in the, in the Father because of that closeness. And um, I want to read a, a story. I've been reading a book by, by James Dobson. He's the founder and president of Focus on the Family, which many of you are familiar with uh, Incredible, solid father in the faith and, uh, and an expert in child psychology. And um, 
He, reads a, he tells a story of a 58-year-old man who described the unhappy memory of his father. His dad had been a minister who was consumed by work and other interests. This father never came to sporting events or any other activities in which his son was a participant. He neither disciplined nor affirmed him. By the time the boy was a senior in high school, he was in the starting squad on a winning uh, big school football team. When his team qualified for the state championship, this boy was desperate to have his dad see him play. He begged, would you please be there on Friday night? It's very important to me. And the father promised to come. On the night of the big game, the boy was on the field warming up when he happened to see his father enter the stadium with two other men wearing business suits. They stood talking among themselves for a moment or two and then left. The man who told me the story had tears streaming down his cheeks as he relived that difficult moment of so long ago. It had been 40 years since that night, and yet the rejection and disappointment he felt as a teenager were as vivid as ever. A year after our conversation, this man's father died at 83 years of age. My friend stood alone before his dad's casket at the funeral home and said sorrowfully, Dad, we could have shared so much love together, but I never really knew you. A father holds awesome power in the lives of his children, for good or ill. Families have understood that fact for centuries. It's been said, no man stands so tall as when he stoops to help a boy. Another wise observer said, tie a boy to the right man and he almost never goes wrong. They are both right. When asked who the heroes are, the majority of boys who are fortunate enough to have a father will say, it's my dad. On the other hand, when a father is uninvolved, when he doesn't love or care for his kids... It creates an ache, a longing that will linger for decades. Again, without minimizing how much girls need their fathers, which we also acknowledge, boys are constructed emotionally to be dependent on dads in ways that were not understood until recently. But here's the rub. When fathers are absent at that time, or if they are inaccessible, distant, or abusive, their boys have only a vague notion of what it means to be male. Whereas girls have a readily available model after which to pattern feminine behavior and attitudes, boys living with single mothers are left to formulate their masculine identity out of thin air. This is why early divorce is also devastating for boys. Writer Angela Phillips believes, and I agree, that the high incidence of homosexuality occurring in the Western nations is related, at least in part, to the absence of positive male influence when boys are moving through the first crisis of child development. One of the primary objectives of parents is to help boys identify their gender assignments and understood what, is, what it means to be a man. We must return to that point um, regularly and understand the importance of it. Also, um, I also was so intrigued, but, you know, I'll, I'll tell you why this is such a big theme in my life and why it's something that I'm, I'm passionate about, but I, I, from Scripture it's clear that that intimacy between the Father and the Son is such a powerful attribute of that relationship. But I wanted to understand at a more practical level, like what's the impact if you, when you have that intimacy between a father and the son, or the impact when you don't have that intimacy between a father and the son. And um, this book is an amazing book if you've got similar questions. Um, and uh, I found some, some really good research that was done by a leading psychology body in the U.S. around that impact. Seven consequences of an emotionally detached parent. One, it affects adult relationships. 
Two, causes fear of attachment and love. Three, can lead to borderline and narcissistic personality traits. Four, selfishness. Five, substance abuse or dependency. Six, lack of identity and direction. And seven, loss of hope, faith, and joy. And the last two, I think, are, are particularly relevant, specifically from a father's perspective. A lack of identity and direction and a loss of hope, faith, and joy. The converse is also true, which is really exciting, that if there is healthy intimacy between a dad and his son, then you'll see the reverse of this, right? You'll see great adult relationships, um, an eagerness to attach and love, someone that's more aware of others and selfless in their living, um, not prone to substance abuse, someone who is secure in their identity and direction in life, and someone who has a sense of faith and of hope and of joy. So powerful. Sadly, sadly, that's not, that's not all of our experience, you know, and um, something so powerful, like Scripture also talks about in the book of Malachi, that um, in the last days I will send the prophet of Elijah and he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the sons and the hearts of the sons to the hearts of the fathers. And that's God's heart, to turn those hearts where the hearts are connected, right? And we're close to each other and we see each other and there's a bond, there's a connection and there's a very powerful impartation that happens when that, that intimacy and that closeness is there. It's a real sense of identity that's imparted. And the enemy knows this and he constantly seeks to undermine that connection between, between fathers and sons. That was my relationship, my, my experience in growing up. I, I, my, my father, um, we, didn't have a, we didn't enjoy a great sense of intimacy um, growing up. We, we didn't have a great experience of, of, of very closeness. My dad was a, a, a good dad from a very functional sense. Um, he, you know, provided school fees, and he came to the rugby games, and he um, did all the right stuff, um, which I'm very grateful for because a lot of stuff, a lot of people, a lot of us don't have. But we never really had a um, a relationship connection. We never really had a real relationship, um, a sense of intimacy or closeness that we enjoyed in that relationship. That led to me asking a whole lot of questions, and for, for whatever reason, I was, when I was young, quite, um, quite insecure in my identity, and I, I, was, I, was, I was identified a lot more with girls, a lot more with females, and I, um, I also, when puberty struck, I started to develop um, homosexual desires and tendencies and, um, and fantasies, and that consumed me for quite a while. I was addicted to gay pornography for, for seven or eight years. Throughout this, you know, my dad was there, but I think even the fact that he was there, but there wasn't, there wasn't a freedom, there wasn't an openness, there wasn't a trust, there wasn't some of these things that we were spoke, speaking about earlier, um, you know, really, really hurt and really caused me to want to perform and prove my identity and prove my masculinity from an outward sense, whereas being very broken on the inward sense. But then, then I saw that work, like God is so committed to doing this because this is God's heart. Like He is by very nature a father and it's His heart for reconciliation between father and sons. He is kind and compassionate and powerful to do this in every circumstance. And many of us have experienced this already to an extent. 
he started to turn my dad's heart when I was in matric. I was 18 years old, and for the first time in my life, my dad started to phone me during the week. I was in boarding school in a different town. And um, I remember I didn't understand what was happening. I was actually quite irritated when he started calling me because I was like, what, what's, what's happened? I mean, what's this? What are we meant to be talking about? <laughs> you know, it's like two minutes and then silence sort of. Um, it's got awkward at times. And, um, and uh, I, didn't, I didn't realize it then, but I, I can see now how God had given, in, given to my dad a desire to know me. And to have a relationship with me after 18 years. I went to varsity and I, I, I got born again my first year at, at varsity, um, <clears throat> 2007. Gave my life to God and um, I did all the encounters and I was baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit. But I couldn't shake what, I, what, was, what were very real desires and thoughts for for other men and that's what the enemy does right when there's a lack of intimacy and there's a lack of relationship there's still that need but then the enemy comes and he perverts that right and he makes it something sexual or he makes it something um, that's not of God he just perverts it and twists it a little bit you know then I was really hopeless because then you know I'd gone through this I'd done all the church stuff and nothing had changed so what now and um, I went to to a mighty men's conference and um, Angus Bucken was, was speaking, and he was sharing about farmers, farmers, how farmers treat their laborers, and you know, I couldn't really relate with what he was sharing at that time, um, because I'm not a farmer, don't have any <laughs> laborers working on my farm, and my, my mind started to wonder, and he, uh, God spoke to me for the first time in an undeniable way, and he, he said, I'm going to restore your relationship with your father. And that, um, that restoration is always in the context of, of trust and intimacy. What I didn't understand until recently, because when God gave me that promise, the, um, my, my addiction to gay pornography was broken, something that I had promised for seven or eight years. Each time that I watched that stuff, I promised that I would never go back there because of the shame and the dirt. And I knew this wasn't who I was deep down but it was just something that I didn't have any control over. And after God gave me that promise that it was broken, all of a sudden I had power to choose against that. And um, what God showed me only recently was how, how intimacy was restored, how that real relationship and connection was restored by Him giving me that promise. And so the need that I was fulfilling to all of that stuff was all of a sudden redirected to the appropriate source. And that changed everything. And uh, God is faithful. He started doing an amazing work through me and my dad's relationship. And for the first time, I was able to open up to my dad as well. It wasn't just him phoning, you know. And, and we have a great relationship now. But again, what he showed me only recently is that that was a secondary promise. The, the primary promise was restoring my relationship with my heavenly father. And that's actually what changed everything. God just affirmed me in my identity and um, I was just, I, I knew I was preaching in Randburg this morning and I know Annie is amazing with alliteration. So I was like, Holy Spirit, help me with an alliterative sentence. Because <laughs> when he has these sermons, he has these like four points and each of them starts with an R. I was like, how do you do that? But I'm still going to share it with you. <laughs> 
Because intimacy imparts identity. If we are close with our fathers, then whatever they carry is imparted into us. And we carry that as well. And obviously the lesson through that is, yes, God wants to restore our relationship with our early earthly dads. Um, some of us grew up with amazing relationship with our earthly dads, and that's such a privilege, and I, I want to celebrate that today. Um, for those of us who didn't, God really wants to restore those relationships. But firstly, the promise is that He will restore the relationship with Himself. I also, God gave me that promise, and for a while I tried to control it so much, you know, because God did an amazing work initially, and then... Then I tried to take things into my own hands a little bit, you know. I, I had a picture of what that looks like with my father, and I remember we, we drove to the airport one day, and um, he, he just asked me some challenging questions, and I just felt like I'd, I so had to perform to earn his approval. And, and I remember we were driving up the ramp to the drop-off at the airport, and, and I, I didn't premeditate this. It's not something that I ever thought about before that moment, but what came out was... I just want to know that you like me. And I just started weeping. And I didn't even know that that, that was there. And Because um, I, I, I knew my dad loved me, but I didn't, I didn't know if he liked me. You know? I knew that he would like, sacrifice for me, but I was like, do you enjoy me? You know? Do you approve of me? And, and, I, and, and by God's grace, like God is such a good father and he's so committed to this process of forming our identity as sons. And in that week, I had a, a call that was scheduled long before that thing came out. And I was just like, how am I going to fix this thing with my dad? And it was just an older guy, a mentor to me, and he just said, he just said, like, what you're hoping to receive from your dad was actually made to receive from God. And God started saying to me, I like you. Like, I enjoy you. I delight in you. You know, Zephaniah 3 verse 17 says that God dances over us with joy. Can you imagine, like, the Creator, the Almighty God that dances over us and sings over us in joy? And we see how he celebrates Jesus. And that has, that has changed everything. I remember the, the morning of my 21st, I sat, I sat in a car. We were camping in the Cedarburg. And um, I sat in the car and I was just spending time with God. And uh, I, I was, I, you know, it had been kind of um, about a year since God gave me that promise and the addiction was broken. And the addiction was broken, but the, my, my thought process was still being renewed, and I was struggling at times, and I you know, felt awkward at times and stuff. And I was just like, Lord, you know, it's so hard. And, and he, he just started saying that I have made you, I've made you a man for a purpose, you know. I, I have prepared a wife and children for you. I have made you to be a husband to someone and a father to, to children, that's your calling. That's part of who you are. So that's why I said earlier, if it weren't for God, I may not have been married today, and I may not, Benjamin and Caleb, and the third one that's on the way, may not have, have been there at all. And I can't imagine a world like that. But then I also recently, um, in my journey as a father, I also realized how, 
how I need God. <laughs> you know, because I have this, this incredible revelation of God as Father and how He loves us and He doesn't expect, you know, performance from us, but He, you know, He just des- he desires relationship with us and obedience to flow from that. But, you know, Benjamin was acting up during a certain stage and he was acting in a way that triggered some things in me and that exposed some insecurities in my own heart. And my immediate response was to try and control that and try and fix it through discipline. <laughs> and, um, of course, there is a space for discipline. And um, you know, the Word says God disciplines those whom He loves. And whoever is not disciplined is actually a, an illegitimate child. And so, huge fan of discipline. <laughs> and we regularly, you know... Um, just apply the fivefold ministry, but um, I, I, I was actually disciplining him around that, and I, I didn't notice it in the moment. Lauren actually called it out, but she said, you're doing something that's crushing his spirit. And um, we went into the inner room. We just went to go sit on our bed, and we just prayed, and God just showed me the insecurity in my own heart that was manifesting. And that I was actually trying to control Benjamin's behavior in a certain way because of something that had triggered in me. And uh, through God's grace, I could just repent. I could just say, oh, Lord, won't you, come, won't you come into that part of my heart as well and just heal me there? And through that, I was actually to celebrate that part of Benjamin's personality and his character. I was able to go back to him and to say, oh, my boy, I'm so sorry. I was wrong. Won't you forgive me? And, uh, you know, like children are, they just forgive so quickly. It's like, <laughs> you know, he's, he's three years old, and he just put his hands on my shoulder, and he says, I love you, Dad. God wants us to be secure fathers. He wants us to represent Him well and to love freely and unconditionally and impart identity, not just to our natural children, but to the world around us, to people that are walking around, not knowing who they are, not knowing why they're here, being completely separated from Him in their sin. He wants us to reflect Him and cover them and bring them in and affirm them and discipline them and bring a hard word and sometimes just draw a line and say, this is not okay. That's what fathers do, even when it's awkward, when it's politically incorrect. Fathers create a sense of safety because they carry their kids' best interests at heart. And that's what he's called us to. But we can't do that if we don't know him as father. Even if you have... Even if you had an amazing dad, and I'm so grateful for those amazing dads, there there isn't such a thing as a perfect heavenly father. And I think that's also God's grace because that gives us an opportunity not to be idolized by our children, but to say, yo, I'm going to fail, but I'm going to point you to one who is perfect. I'm going to point you to a father who does love unconditionally and who does discipline in the correct way every time and who truly loves you and who saves you and who protects you and who provides for you. 
I'm going to point you to Him and I'm going to connect you to Him. And that's also our role as fathers. But we cannot be that. We cannot be what He's called us for and what the world so desperately, desperately, desperately needs. Not just from an earthly perspective, but from an eternal perspective. Because what is eternal life? Jesus said eternal life is that they may know you. Eternal life is knowing the Father. That's what heaven is all about. It's about knowing Him fully. It says this time of eternity we see in part and we see dimly as in a reflection in a mirror. But in eternity will we see Him fully and we will know Him fully. But we have to be sons before, sons and daughters before we can be fathers and mothers. It's not enough just to try and mimic certain behaviors or live good principles. We have to know God as Father in our hearts in an intimate way to be transformed from the inside out so we can be that to the people around us. So when we look at that scripture, it says the son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees the Father doing. Because whatever the Father does, the Son does also. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all he does. And the Father loves us and he wants to show us all he does. Yes, Lord, we just... God, we are so grateful, Lord, that we can, we can call you Abba. We can reach out our arms to you, Lord. And uh, you pick us up, Lord, and you put us on your lap. You press our heads against your chest, Lord. And you impart identity, Lord, through that closeness, Father God. You say, you are my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. This is who I've made you to be, God. And... Lord, this morning we just thank you, Lord, for, for earthly fathers, Lord. Yeah, and we honor our earthly fathers, Lord, and we love them, Father God, and we, we pray for them, Father God. And Lord, but this morning, Lord, we just say, Lord, first, Lord, our hope is in you as our heavenly Father, Lord. You are so real, God, and you are so good, Lord. And we, we, di- we redirect, Lord, every need, Father God, in our heart towards you, Lord, in that sense. Very simply, I just want to pray for, for two groups of people this morning. And um, if you, <clears throat> if, if you, if God has, if the Holy Spirit has placed it in your heart to, be used by Him as a father, not just um, in a natural sense, not just over your own kids, but, um, but also, you know, the Word says that you have 10,000 instructors in Christ, but you do not have many fathers. And when Paul writes to, to some, of his, some of his disciples, when he writes to Timothy and, and Titus and these guys, he, he speaks about my beloved son in the faith. And uh, even in the church, we so desperately need fathers in the faith and um, if you have it in your heart to be used by God in that capacity I just want to I just want to ask you to raise your hand I just want to pray for you yes Lord I just thank you for these these men Lord and I thank you God for that they carry your heart Father God that they're responding to a desire that you place there Father God 
Lord, and I just thank you, Father God, Lord. Father God, for the capacity, Lord, to love, Father God, for the capacity to cover, Father God, Lord, for the capacity to speak a word of correction, Lord, and to speak a word of discipline, Father God, Lord. I thank you just for the grace, Lord, Father God, to see, to see, Lord, the redemptive version of, of people in front of them, Father God, to see, Lord, who you've created sons and daughters in front of them to be and to call that out, Father God, Lord. Thank you for the ability to discern seasons, Father God, where the enemy wants to bring confusion, Lord, Father God, for the ability to, to bring clarity, Lord, and to, from a Father's perspective, Lord, to provide guidance, Lord, that's born out of the Holy Spirit, Father. Yeah, we thank you for that capacity, Lord, and I thank you, Lord, Lord, even as I step out, Father, with a willingness, Father God, to Father, Lord, that, that you father them, Lord. Thank you for that, Lord, in the name of Jesus. And then I just want to, as we worship, um, very simply, if you have a, a deep hurt in your heart as a result of um, a lack of fathering or a, a father neglect or a, perhaps an abusive father, um, I just want you to come forward as we continue in worship. And uh, I want to ask the, um, perhaps the older men in the, in the congregation to, to just come forward and, and help with the ministry. And, um, and what, we, what we're going to do is we're just actually going to say, we're going to pray for our fathers and forgive them. And we're actually going to say, Lord, we, we, we trust Him for restoration in those relationships. But actually... We say that God is our Father first and we redirect those needs to Him because He is so real and He is so able to fulfill those needs. I, I just want to give an opportunity because I, I, I think if, um, if I ask now, you know, who of us would like to relate to God better and would want more intimacy with God, I think we'd all put up our hands. Because even those of us who have experienced some degree of intimacy with God the Father have not yet experienced the degree of intimacy that we want to and that we can. There's always more. Um, but think about this. What if, what if you could have the relationship with the Father that Jesus had? What if you could have the relationship with the Father that Jesus had? What if you could have the intimacy with the Father that Jesus had? What if you could maybe not say exactly the same things that Jesus said? Um, because, I mean, we're, we're not God like Jesus was, but, but we can have the same heart. What we say flows out of the same intimacy, out of the same confidence in the Father's love for us, out of the same love for the Father and honor towards the Father. What, what if we could have that? And, and the reality is the main reason we can have that is because Jesus had that and He gave that up so that we could have it. He was the only one who deserved that kind of relationship with the Father. He was the only one who deserved to hear, you are my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. And He gave that up 
so that we can hear that, so we, so we can experience that, so we can have the same relationship with the Father that He has. And, and that's what the, the communion is all about. It's both the Son and the Father, and you can hand out the elements of the communion. It's both the f- Son and the Father giving up temporarily the most intimate relationship imaginable between the two of them so that they can share that relationship with us. Uh, and, and I want us just to, as we um, receive the elements of the communion, and we'll, we'll use them in a moment together, I want us to remember what it cost both the Father and the Son to give us this kind of intimacy that Stefan is talking about. It cost him, it cost them very, very dearly. Now, we know that you're not willing to pay a high price for something if you don't value it very highly. So what is the high price? The broken body of the Lord Jesus Christ, he shed blood. Him having to turn to the Father and say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's interesting, that's one of the few, if not only places um, in the Gospels where, where Jesus calls the Father God instead of Father. So that we can call Him Father and not just God. But He said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And, he, and both of them were willing to pay that extremely, extremely high cost. So that... He can be not only Jesus' Father, but our Father. And so that He can love us as He loves Jesus. And that, that's what, what Stefan is trying to convey and has so three stories so powerfully impressed on our hearts. That the Father actually loves us as He loves Jesus. Because, as the communion represents, when we, when we eat the communion, when we drink the cup, it becomes part of us. And so Jesus has become part of us and we have become part of Him. So let's remember that as we eat together. And, and I want you to, to just pray both to the Father and to Jesus and say, Father, I want to know you like Jesus knows you. And Jesus please enable me as I eat this bread and, and, and drink this cup please enable me you in me to relate to the Father as you do thank you Lord Jesus that you your body was broken so that we can have relationship with the Father thank you Father that you broke Jesus' body so that we can be loved by you we receive that love now in Jesus' name let's eat together yes Lord Jesus and um We, we just celebrate the fact that your blood ushered in a new covenant and that by, by your sacrifice and your blood that flowed on the cross, the, the curtain separating us from the Father's presence was torn in two and that you say that we may have boldness to approach you having our hearts sprinkled and cleansed with the blood of Christ.
We just say your blood is so powerful, Jesus. Thank you for your word that says they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. And the word of their testimonies are not loving their lives till death. There's life in your blood, Jesus. And we just partake in your blood this morning. We thank you, Lord. Let's drink together. I just want each of us just to take a minute or two. Just close your eyes. Just focus on God. And in that same beautiful dependency that we see in this text that Stefan read, the, the son can do nothing of himself. He just, just reveals a dependency on the father. I, don't, I want you to just come to the father in complete dependency, in childlike dependency, and say, Father, my heart is broken. Heal. I cannot even receive your love. My heart is so broken. I pray that you will heal my heart so that I can receive your love. Just in your own words. Just in your own words. And then the Holy Spirit is just laying on my heart um, that there are many of you who can so relate to Stefan's story because there was a, there's in your life also a, a legitimate need that you're expressing in illegitimate ways. And it's coming out as sin. But the, at, at the root of it is a legitimate need for, for that you're trying to, to meet in an illegitimate way. And, and I just, if, if the Holy Spirit has highlighted anything like that in your heart, anything whatsoever, I also just want you to close your eyes and just bring it before the Lord and say, God, I repent. I'm trying to find in other people and in other things what I can only find in you. Please forgive me and please help me to meet that need in you and in no one and nothing else. Just in your own words. Okay, I'm going to close in a moment, but um, I, want, I, th I think there are some of you who really need to respond to Stefan's invitation and actually come forward. I'm going to ask Stefan also to annoy people because, um, you know, th there's, a, th there's a grace upon his life uh, to impart something that God has imparted to him. Um, and, and if you need any prayer in, in this area of, um, uh, you know, having a, a need for a father and feeling unfathered, and, and you need to come to God and, and have him meet that need, I, I want to invite you to come forward. Just, just come forward right now. Bring your handbag, bring your Bible, whatever's with you, and just come and stand right here in the front. Um, and we're going to pray with you, and we're going to pray for you. We're going to anoint you, and we're going to trust God to do a miracle in your heart. So if you have that need, just come, come forward um, just as a token of um, saying to God, oh God, I'm coming to you in dependency. I'm coming to you and I'm trusting you to, to meet a deep need and heal a, a deep brokenness in, in my heart. So that's you. Just, just come forward. Just step forward. Just um, bring um, your stuff with you, your handbag or your, your Bible or whatever you have with you. And just come and stand in front. And, and, I, and I think you're going to find that as God, just like Stefan did, when God meets that need and He heals you in that area, it's going to sort out a lot of other problems that you thought were unrelated, that you didn't even know were related to this, that God's going to sort them out and heal them as well. So as I'm praying, you're welcome to come forward. Father, we just thank you, Lord. You are such a good God, Lord. 
Thank you, Lord, that you took Stefan, Lord, through the, the process that he went through of um, hurt and brokenness. Um, Lord, of, of uncertainty, of desperation, Lord, of ach, just all of those things, just so that you could heal him and express your heart through him to us, Lord. And, and we, just, we just see your father heart again, Lord, and we stand amazed. Oh God, you are so good. Oh God, you are so compassionate. You are so loving, Lord. Beyond what we can understand or express. Thank you for who you are, Lord. Lord, when we look at ourselves, we, we, we cannot see how we can be saved. But when we look at you, we cannot see how we can be lost. Because you are just so good and so powerful. Lord, I just pray your blessing over all your people in Jesus' name. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father and the continuing presence of the Holy Spirit be upon all of you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Shofar Joburg. May the grace you receive produce God's greatest glory and your greatest good. For more information and sermons, please visit our website at www.shofar.joburg.com.